Dirty Dozen, episode 12 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. With me, as always, is Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are adding a different element to the Digest with interviews and other such content, bringing voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. The Ohio Hockey Project's mission is to positively shape the dynamic and landscape of the Cleveland hockey community through comprehensive player development and a lifelong commitment to helping each other and every athlete to maximize their potential and reach their hockey goals. With over 85 years of culinary experience to draw from, the staff provides athletes with every ounce of knowledge, experience, and passion they have. The staff consists of current and former professional, collegiate, and junior players who have all come through the various ranks of Cleveland hockey and are committed to making the athletes' goals and needs their number one priority. Last week, we had the privilege of sitting down with two referees that gave us their insight as to how to be an integral part of the game. First, from the Ohio High School Athletic Association and the WCHA Women's Hockey, we sat down with Guy Bradshaw. Guy gave us the blueprint with which to become a referee and how to work your way up the ladder. It was really great to talk to Guy. Jay, you and I have known Guy for a long time. Um, I know we kind of had some fun with it. Was it Guy? Was it Guy? Was it Guy? Whatever it may be. But I think if you kind of dissect all that, he really gave us a, an insight of what it's like to be on the other end of either playing or coaching and, and to really really tell us that, yeah, they are a big part of the game, but they do just want the players to let to figure the game out as well. Well, I, you know, Gui did a great job. Oh, my bad. Guy, I mean, Guy did a great job. No, uh, he always does. And I thought one of the, the cool things, interesting parts of the conversation last week was that he didn't start really officiating until his late twenties. And yeah, I didn't I didn't know that either. I thought he was I thought he started off right out of high school. Yeah. And to to work his way to where he is now and doing college games on a regular basis. And I thought it was very informative to know that, you know, it's it's best to get your feet wet and and cut your teeth there down in the USA hockey system and work your way into maybe an OHSA or maybe move yourself on to a junior level. And you know, that was things that I did not know. And it was cool just to listen to how he went about his normal day or normal life and, and all of a sudden got interested in refereeing. After, after bad-mouthing officials during men's league, they said, come and try it. It reminds me of a guy that one time uh, was all over the officials and the officials looked right at him and said, you think you can do a better job? Why don't you get your skates and put your jersey on? And that guy <laughs> looked and said, my skates are in a truck, pal. I'll be right back. So, <laughs> no, it was cool to, to hear how, you know, Guy was able to network – through different, uh, I guess, referee camps and work his way into the Boston area to do a lot of junior work. And then just sky was the limit. Now he's pretty much instructing all across the United States on, on, on how to become the next referee. So we got to speak with Guy, which, you know, we speak with him all the time, which is a great conversation. Then we kind of jumped to the next level, if you will, the highest level. Uh, We had the honor to speak with the 21 year NHL veteran referee and current director of officiating operations, for the NHL, Mr. Don Van Massenhoven joined us, and what a great talk that was. He talked to us about uh, his up, his coming up in the NHL during 
the one referee, the two linesman system, and the many great people he met along the way. And I, I thought one of the uh, premier parts that interview uh, was when we talked about, and I think we used the word influential, or I can't remember what word we used. Persuasive. Persuasive. And, you know, once we talked to him about, hey, you know, if, is there a coach or a guy that when they talked, you guys were like, uh, okay, well, maybe he has a point there, you know? Uh, so that was that was a cool conversation. Really uh, enjoyed that conversation uh, with Don. And, and, you know, hopefully when the NHL gets going and we get going back again, I'd like to have him back on and kind of just talk to him about how the restart was uh, through this pandemic. Don was, I mean, you know, like we spoke on at the end of last week, it, we were geeked out to talk to him, you know, 21-year NHL referee, 23-year professional referee, and he was on the ice with guys we grew up watching. And Don was generous with his time. He was great. It was another instance, as and I've said it a million times, it was another instance where we would ask one question and literally sit there glued to the screen watching him answer the question. And he just told great stories. Uh, like you said, the, the coming up with one, uh, one referee, two, two linemen, linesman system. And now there's, you know, four guys, two ref, two line. And the people he met along the way, I thought it was real interesting that he named Pat Quinn as a persuasive or, or respectful person from a coaching standpoint. And then Joe Sackick, which uh, in, in research, you find Joe Sackick was a very respectful person and well-liked throughout the league. Just, I mean, you're talking to an NHL guy that, that did not take a second for granted and still doesn't take a second for granted that he works in and for the greatest league in professional sports in the world. And it was just cool to listen to him talk. Yeah, and also one of the cool things, and, and Jay, you and I get the opportunity to do this when we get to meet and uh, talk to uh, new people, is, you know, doing our research, uh, I think you commented this on la last week, but I didn't realize how big he was. And, you know, when he's, got, when he's got videos and pictures standing next to some of these big players, he towers these guys. So How about when you see him uh, giving a stern look with that six-foot-five frame, that big old moustache staring at you? And then we listened to him talk. He's like, you know, he's Grandpa Tickles. It was awesome. Was the, mo fun. the moustache would be pretty uh, intimidating. I got to be honest with you. Oh, hands I, down. I think I think he mentioned he had some daughters. Imagine the guys going to the house to pick no. up the daughters. No, no way. No, no, no. He probably answered the door. Hello, can I help you? Yeah. And you look up and you think this man could bust me in two in a blink of an eye. Yeah. No, no way. <laughs> no way. Um, well, this week we have our first. Repeat offender. That kind of sounds a little criminal, but that's okay. Uh, I mean, this is quite quite an amateur show, so why not? Uh, I mean, a repeat guest, not repeat offender. But uh, we sit down with the head of Ohio Hockey Project, Russ Zankowitz, again, to discuss this summer's Futures Hockey League that will be starting here in the next week or two. Who are the participants and what uh, the project has in store for bettering campers this summer? Uh, this is going to be a great, great talk with Russ. You know the great stuff he does with this project with the futures league with the SEL. Um, so I'm looking forward to talking to him again to see where he's at. How did he get through the pandemic? How did he get guys there? Um, and what, what do these teams look like? And if you got, if anyone's in the Cleveland area uh, and you want to go watch some fun summer, fast, quick hockey, look at the futures league and also the SEL. Then we're going to spend some time uh, with one of the most prolific playmakers in the ACHA graduating senior from Ohio university. Tyler Harkins hangs out to fill us in on the new business that he started and how he took a long line of hockey lineage and carved his own path. Two great guests. I'm excited for it. Look forward to catching up with those guys. 
Uh, it's going to be great. But uh, I think we've got some new news here with the boys here in, uh, on the cast. And uh, so I think maybe we should just start right with uh, the hump dog. Holistic hump. What do you got for us? So uh, I will officially be taking my talents to the great city of Middleburg Heights. Oh, um, no, the wife suburb and, I like where we're at. Yep. The wife and I, we, so, you know, we mentioned before, sold our house and have anywhere to go. So we've just been looking at houses and found one in this nice little quiet neighborhood in Middleburg Heights, family friendly. Uh, Formerly known as a quiet neighborhood. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, saw it on last Thursday and put our offer in. They accept the offer Friday morning. So now we just got to get the process rolling with all of this stuff. But um, other than that, nothing too new. Good. We're uh, how how long is it going to take to take down the the jungle gyms, the Humphrey amusement park, and get it ready to move? Did did you get that uh, amusement park of yours? Like, did you have to lease it from Cedar Fair? <laughs> <laughs> no, we just we just we took stock in it. We just bought it. So Cedar um, Fair, Jace, who owns like <laughs> Kings Island and a, a uh, point. Okay. We gotta get we gotta get Lev on the in the stock game, dude. You gotta buy some yeah. stock in Cedar from there. No, it shouldn't be too hard. That's that's, that's the move. <laughs> I think uh well that's great. That's exciting. Gonna, was the Middleburg Heights right. area in the scope you guys were looking at? So originally we were not Go ahead. Okay. Looking at uh Middleburg Heights, but right now, put it this way. So we were looking independent Seven Hills, Broadview Heights, Brexville area. I know a house just went up for sale last Saturday in Broadview Heights. They were asking two sixty five for it. Our realtor said he showed it to um, this kid who the week before got outbid by fifteen grand on a house. So he really wanted this house that's two sixty five. They offered three oh five for the house. Oh my god. He didn't get it. He got outbid again. <laughs> so, like, that's how crazy. Hey, kids, we're right moving. <laughs> <laughs> Pack it up. We're moving. <laughs> Hell, just leave it all there. So, I knew. Are you kidding me? No. Oh, my God. So, I mean, it was kind of, you know, we saw this house, price was right, and it was put the offer in and just kind of pray to God that they accepted and, don't want to deal with any headache of the market, but right, right. So we lucked out. Well, that's good. Love, what's new with you? Anything? No, we were able to go on the ice last week and uh, with the uh, prorated uh, a group, and it was just it was exciting just to be on the ice again. And obviously, we haven't had the chance to open up uh, until all the bases were covered for uh, distancing and that, and it was just great, just fantastic just to touch the ice to be on the ice to see the guys to interact with them as best we could and and uh that was that's really the only exciting news that i have other than you know status quo yeah no i agree it was nice to get on the ice it was nice to just get around the rink again i mean there is you know there is some restrictions which hey listen that's as long as we can get in there and follow the restrictions that's cool you know um it's been a a wonderful couple uh days here in the in the north uh, eastern part of uh uh, Ohio, especially in Cleveland, man, it's been hot as heck. Uh, so it's been nice to get out and 
do some things, but yeah, no, I agree. It was good to get out um, and get on the ice. Well, let's dive into the digest and see what's making news in the world of hockey. Are you an aspiring young sports writer or just like watching and talking about hockey? Ohio Hockey Digest is looking for writers to provide coverage of all levels of hockey, but primarily high school, ACHA, and girls and women's hockey in and around the state of Ohio. We are currently lining up contributing writers for the 2020-2021 season. If you're interested, please contact Scott Harrington at scott, S-C-O-T-T, at ohiohockeydigest.com or call 216-548-2345. Taylor Lay is the new head coach of the successful ACHA Division II program at the University of Cincinnati. Lay, 27, played club hockey at Miami, where he was named first-team All-American as the Red Hawks had a runner-up showing in the 2016 National Tournament, played in his native Westchester, Pennsylvania. Lay went on to coach for both the women's and men's ACH teams at Miami, including a stint as the head coach of the men's Division II team, in addition to coaching in the Miami youth hockey ranks. He is looking forward to the opportunity behind the bench of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Our outlook for this upcoming season is to continue building upon the recent success of the team. Um, the growth that we've seen over the past few years has been huge, and we're trying to just continue to build that and continue the momentum moving forward so that way we can be a powerhouse for years to come. Lay is still hopeful that the Bearcats can play their full ACHA schedule next season. So with all the COVID concerns, we're just trying to make sure that we do what's right for our players, and we're going to do what the university needs us to do, and we're going to listen to what the ACHA has to say. Um, you know, if we're, you know, if we're lucky and things go as currently planned, we'll be starting our season as we normally would in August with, uh, being a tryout. Um, and, you know, we're planning on continuing to keep our games, but if changes need to be made, we'll make them as necessary. The Bearcats also announced that Nick Okada will remain as the assistant coach. It will be his second season as the assistant and fifth year overall in the program after a stellar three-year playing career. As a player, Okada had a prolific puck-moving defenseman for UC with a single-season assist totals of 89 in 2016 and 17 and 77 in 2017 and 18. His 230 career points in just 90 games placed him third in program history and first among the Blue Liners. That is a ton of apples for a D-man, Lev. A puck-moving defenseman? Jeez, oh, man. That's an understatement. 230 career points in just 90 games. Okay, so this, you know, and, you know, and what is it places him third? Wow. Right. You know, you, you look at, I don't know, you look at a guy like uh, uh, John Malloy, who came out of UC and then to go play D1. You know, this kid looked like he had a pretty hell of a career there and maybe could have got himself to a D3 program or something. But hell, that's, yeah. a, that's a hell of a career for that, for that young man. Absolutely. Also, we, also, we heard just before taping that Ohio State, has named a new head coach for their ACHA club team. More on the new hire, Greg Corcoran, next week. The Worcester Oilers are returning to the ice this season in the United States Premier Hockey League, and they will be holding a pair of tryouts for any prospects interested in exploring opportunities in junior hockey. The tryouts will be held July 10th through the 12th and August 7th through the 9th at the Ellis Noble Ice Arena in Worcester. The cost of each trout is $150. 
Go to www.woosteroilers.com for more information on how to sign up. We look forward to having Oilers co-owner Marty Kerr and head coach Jordan Roymer on the podcast in the coming weeks. Former Miami University star and Columbus Blue Jacket, Kevin Adams, replaced Jason Botterill as a general manager of the Buffalo Sabres on Tuesday. When it was all said and done, the Sabres owners, Terry and Kim Pagula, had let go 22 hockey operation people, including many managers, scouts, development coaches, and the entire coaching staff of their top farm team, the AHL's Rochester Americans. The Pakulas had just given Botterill a vote of confidence three weeks prior, but said they reconsidered when the draft was pushed back to the fall, changing the offseason timeline. The hire was made without a search, and Adams has no previous general managing experience. 22 hockey operation people were let go, Jay. Clean house. Literal. Clean the house. I mean, do you think that that is gonna that instability is gonna hurt them when it, it would <clears throat> attracts talent like for the draft or any of that? I don't know. I don't I don't want to speak ill of things. Um <laughs> I think yes. I think that instability, you're gonna have to put a heck of a, a, a package together when, when signing guys to say, Hey, look, yeah, we cleaned house, but here's where we're going. I mean, no disrespect to, to, to Kevin, you know, they, they, they hired him without a search and, you know, obviously they trust him. Good for him. Uh, best of luck to him. And first time GM. I mean, let's see how he, he runs with this opportunity. I'm sure he'll do fine. Um, no disrespect intended. Buffalo's been a disaster. Buffalo's been a mess for a while. And you got a guy like Jack Eichel in there that is 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 ready to hit his prime. He's been having hell of a season, seasons, you know, back to back so far. And he's just coming into his own, really. And now what are you gonna do? I mean So you, you, I don't know. they they must the Pagulas must trust their decision, which obviously they do because they made the decision, but you bring a a, a new general manager, zero experience. You literally empty the cupboards in a gong show of a situation. Well, you better be, I mean, you got, it's got it. Where else can you go? You, you, maybe it's one of these things where you can't, you can't go any lower. Yeah. I, I don't mean, know. Maybe, maybe it's that they, you know, what, what's the definition of uh, insanity doing the same thing over and over expecting new results. Well, maybe this is it and they're tired of it. So why not? I mean, what the hell are they going to lose? They they have made the playoffs in when? I know they got you know they going to lose short... sixty five games. Oh, they already well, did that. <laughs> yeah, I mean with with the they were close to making the playoffs this season. Right now, if this if if the COVID doesn't hit and they continue on with the NHL season and, and maybe they make the playoffs, do all these moves happen? Maybe not. But maybe like we talked about a million times that this has allowed everyone to slow down and take a good hard look at things and see what's important. And maybe, unfortunately, uh, 22 people were hit with the coronavirus, so to speak, in that they were the Pagulas were able to take a step back, re-evaluate, re-reevaluate, if you will, and said, you know what, let's clean it out and let's start it over. Who knows? Right. Ohio State forward Michael Gilden was among 43 U.S. players selected to attend the World Junior Summer Showcase. Gilden played in just eight games as a freshman before season-ending injury, but played two seasons for the United States National Team Development Program. Chagrin Falls' Curtis Hall was invited to the showcase last summer and was ultimately selected to be a part of the U.S. team that won a silver medal in the Czech Republic. Gilden is a native of Plano, Texas, 
and is a product of the Dallas Stars Elite AAA program. The Menor Icebreakers took part in the Federal Prospects Hockey League's dispersal draft last week, selecting forward Marco Luciani with the second pick. Luciani scored nine goals and 11 assists for 20 points in 43 FPHL games split between the Danville Dashers and the Battle Creek Rumble Bees last season. The draft gave the remaining nine teams in the Federal League an opportunity to claim the rights to one player from the roster of the disbanded Rumble Bees. Senior forward Will Cohen and head coach Brett Howden of the Upper Arlington Golden Bears were recognized at the Central Ohio All-Star Preps High School Sports Awards. Cohen for top hockey player and Howden for top hockey coach. The awards ceremony happened virtually with Wayne Gretzky announcing the player of the year. The other finalists were Diego Pitones from St. Charles, Gage Schlotterbeck of Olentangy Liberty, Andrew Vidrick of Olentangy Liberty, Clayton Headley of Olentangy Liberty, Jackson Buss of New Albany, Brandon Barish of New Albany, and Garrett Alderman of Upper Arlington were also recognized for their outstanding seasons. Congratulations are also in order for Nick Creston of Kent Roosevelt who was named the Portage County Player of the Year after scoring 45 goals for the Rough Riders as a senior. The Tampa Bay Lightning closed their training facility on June 19th after three players and two additional team personnel tested positive for COVID-19. The next day, the NHL revealed that 11 NHL players have tested positive. The NHL is currently in Phase 2 of the restart plan. Phase 3, the opening of training camps, is scheduled for July 10th. It remains to be seen how this development might be a setback uh, for the start of the NHL's 2014 playoff. I was watching uh, TSN this morning and they had one of their uh, NHL guys on and he said that he, he thinks this is reason for alarm, but or cause for concern, but not reason for alarm because the players are currently not sequestered, if you will. Mm-hmm. When they get to phase three, phase four, they're back, they're in their bubble and, things should be good. Plus they've opened up more testing. So obviously there will be more positives come out of it, but Hey, let's hope it goes the right direction. Right. And finally the Columbus Mavericks of the USPHL premier division and the New Hampshire junior monarchs of the NCDC held a joint tryout camp at Lakewood's Winterhurst arena Thursday and Friday. There were 20 Ohioans, nine of which played in the OHS AA last year among the 30 players in attendance had an opportunity to make an impression on both teams. The Mavericks are an affiliate of the Monarchs who are located in Manchester, New Hampshire and compete in the NCDC, a 13-team tuition-free Tier 2 circuit on the East Coast. The Digest Scott Harrington caught up with Mavericks general manager and head coach Nate Handeran between sessions. So is this your, is this your first on-ice activity as the head coach of the Mavericks? It is. So that's exciting. How's the first uh, day gone? Day's gone pretty good so far. Uh, we had some good practices earlier today, and skate looked like uh, it was a lot more parity than uh, I'd anticipated. It looked like in practice, white team might be a little bit more dominant than green, but green's okay. holding their own for sure. Good. Um, uh, why did you pick Cleveland for this uh, for this tryout team? Well, I think it's important for us to we're trying to maximize our exposure throughout the state of Ohio, and Cleveland's a hockey-rich market, has been for a long time. Uh, we wanted to create a little proximity to some other auxiliary markets like Detroit and uh, in Michigan, 
and maybe into Erie and Pennsylvania on that side as well. That uh, could be a draw. And we're planning to have another camp later in the summertime down in Columbus, so it'd be a good opportunity for us to showcase our home rink. Uh, I think you said you had 18 players signed already for next season. Are there any particular holes you're looking to fill right now? Yeah, we've, you know, it's it's been interesting seeing the landscape across uh, across hockey. Just talking with families, talking with kids. Um, everyone's kind of in a holding pattern, trying to figure out where they're going to be, what camps they're going to attend because they got canceled or rescheduled. So we're just we're trying to be patient and find the right right players that are going to have a desire to improve, desire to develop, and you know want to uh, you know want to do the right things. What's uh, with with two days on the ice with a group like this? What what are the easiest skills to identify in a short period of time like that? You know, skating stand out. Or? Yeah, skating I think stands out. But when some guys have been off for quite as with lengthy time, like maybe some of these guys have, you know that everything's equal, so it, it tends to shine through. You know, you can see player shooting ability. I think I always like to have a, a practice component. To, any camp because you see guys' habits, you see how they work and how they operate, how they manage, you know, making a mistake, uh, and then see them playing a game where they can kind of turn it loose a little bit and see where their hockey IQ is. We have uh, nine Ohio high school players here. Um, what's the toughest thing you think jumping from OHSAA to the USDA job? Well, I think there's going to be an adjustment for some of them as far as uh, the size and speed of the game. I think when you're looking at the OSHA or the, you know, at the club level, high school level, you know, there's good players that are there, but they're not full roster deep. And I think that when you get into the junior level, you're going to be able, you're going to have to bring it, you know, every night and you have to bring it every shift because teams are going to be able to throw four lines at you and six defensemen that can all play. And you came here with some contracts. Uh, you said if, uh, You'll have a main camp later, um, but if you find the right kid, you'll, you're going to sign him right here. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, we let, again, in this day and age, I think you have to be decisive and, um, you know, to coin a phrase, I mean, you got to strike while the iron's hot. If the player's here, they're here because they wanted exposure, you know, to our affiliate in the, in the New Hampshire Monarchs, but they wanted uh, to be able to show their stuff to us as well. And, and they could be here just to get a skate in because they haven't skated in a while, but... Um, you know, we're excited with the numbers that we have in such a short time frame. And uh, just tell us a little about about that affiliation. That's what the formal affiliation. With it the... is. It is. So the New Hampshire Monarchs are our NCDC affiliate. Um, we don't. The NCDC has 13 teams that are primarily located on the East Coast, and uh, so our guys have an upward trajectory into that. That would be uh, a tier two level, you know, tuition free league that. I think every every player is aspiring to to get to the next level, whether it's the NCDC, which we hope, or the North American League or the USHL. There's only so many spots to go around. Speaking of the NCDC, the 2020 NCDC Detroit Combine has been postponed to July 30th and 31st at Fraser Hockeyland in Fraser, Michigan, due to Michigan State restrictions on the opening of ice rink facilities. All those registered for the NCDC Detroit Combine remain registered for the new dates. There will be guaranteed attendance by at least six NCDC teams. Breaking news out of Columbus, the Mavericks have signed Olentangy Liberty defenseman Nick Josephiak 
Joseph Yak will forego his senior year with the Patriots starting the 2020-21 season. Congratulations, Nick. It's time for our first guest, a standout from the ACHA Division I Ohio University Bobcats and the host of Rule One Sports Talk podcast, Tyler Harkins. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. The Ohio Hockey Project skill development process is an innovative and progressive as it gets. Their educational process maximizes time away from the ice where they enrich the athlete's life skills. They discuss critical topics such as nutrition, goal setting, attitude, work ethic, preparation, performance, training, and injury prevention. The fun delivery and the overall process instills confidence and passion in athletes. Our first guest comes from a known hockey pedigree from high school at Rocky River and St. Edwards High School to stints in the USPHL with the Wisconsin Rapid River Kings. He also spent some time in the British Columbia Hockey League with the Surrey Eagles and in the North American Hockey League with the Amarillo Bulls. Then went on to attend Ohio University and play for the Bobcats Division I ACHA team. In 126 games played, he put up 66 goals, 92 assists for 158 points and a plus 42 rating. In his new venture, Post-graduation, he's the owner and advisor for Rule One Sports. Please welcome on air from Rock River, Ohio, Tyler Harkins. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Hope uh, your summer's going well. Um, it was nice to see you at the rink the other day, and uh, appreciate you coming on and joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Can't stay away from the rink. Mets has got me on a, a tight leash up at Winterhurst. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things uh, today, Tyler, from uh, – your playing days to all the way up to your college days. And then, um, you know, what, what's, you know, what are you doing now with rule one? What, what's your, uh, hope or post-graduation? So, um, first of all, you come from a hockey family. We all know that here in Cleveland. Uh, anyone who knows your last name knows that your family is, uh, very, uh, prominent in the hockey world. Dad played at Miami university and had a successful coaching career. Your uncles played in the NHL and internationally. Uh, your cousin currently plays in the NHL for the Winnipeg Jets. How important was it for you to do your own way and carve your own path in hockey. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's kind of hard to get away from that. Um, obviously, my hockey's you know being in the hockey uh, world of Cleveland, um, it's it was it was kind of hard to make my own decisions out there. But also, with that being said, going to St. Ed's, um, I would transfer there after my sophomore year to get to go to a school that you know meant a lot to my my dad and my uncles was. Um, you know, something I was very proud to do. You play a few years of high school as well as pre-post for Team Ohio. You then make the move to the USPHL, USPHL with the Wisconsin Rapids River Kings. How was that jump to junior hockey from Cleveland? Um, yeah, definitely. It was definitely a jump. Um, I thought, though, that the Cleveland landscape kind of helped me get ready for it. Um, I felt like my time at St. Ed's really pushed me. We were playing against some good players. Um, you know, year in and year out, there wasn't really a, a year that I wasn't being pushed, um, whether it's from my teammates, my line mates, uh, the competition. Um, but obviously, you know, those off-season trainings, you had to kind of rev it up a little bit just to get ready to play against the higher competition. So then you go out and you head up to uh, Surrey Eagles of the BCHL. Um, what was that transition like? Uh, playing in the States, playing high school, then in the States, and then up into Canada. Can you talk a little bit about that transition? Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was 
that was where I really felt like I was playing, you know, junior hockey. That's where I felt like I was being pushed, uh, going up to Canada, um, up in Surrey. It was a great time. It was a phenomenal time. I felt like I was treated like a pro, um, you know, from the organization to my teammates playing with guys that played in the WHL, uh, to future D1 college commitments. Um, it was a huge success in my career to get to play there. Um, and, you know, obviously I got to play against, um, some good players as well, like Tyson Jost, um, and, you know, guys playing in the NHL. So it was a huge jump, but it was really exciting to get that opportunity to go up there. Um, if anyone could get out to the BCHL, like if you're from Cleveland, you have the chance, I would do it. Um, living in Vancouver, playing around that area was a time I'll never forget. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and again, it's probably like, I mean, we, you play in front of, decent crowds here in Cleveland, nothing extraordinary. But when you go to a place like that and you play uh, in that atmosphere, that's got to just get the, the juices flowing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you're playing in Penticton or Langley, uh, Cowichan, like those rinks or, or stadiums and you're playing that as a junior hockey player and then they're getting loud. Um, yeah. You know, the fans, the fans were awesome and you're around a bunch of hockey people and it was a great time. How old were you when you went up there and played? So I went my first year junior, so I would have been 18. Okay. Wow. 19, 18 or 19. Yeah, but it was – Uh, so I finished after high school. when I, I left St. Ed's halfway through and then went and played for the mission. Um, so I, I think I think that was that was cool for me too in a development sense because I did get to see, um, you know, some AAA players that were going to play in the USHL next year, the North American League, and that – that kind of helped my development as well. I feel like. Good. Cool. So in the summertime, you play hockey here in Cleveland as part of the Ohio hockey projects, summer elite league. It's summer hockey. You guys are out there having fun. It's still fast. It's still skilled. How important has that league been as far as maintaining or building on your skill development during the summer months? Yeah, I love the cell. I love the summer elite league. Russ puts on a good one. So I play for the snakes um i'm a champion in the league lucky enough to have my name in the cup um you know i consider us the premier organization and the cell uh jamie jamie young and i are the captains of that we've got great players like kevin Irwin, uh matt hartman um kevin or kyle cook you know it's just a team full of studs i'm just happy to be a part of it and i, I feel like you're selling me tonight. something right now dude like i'm a huge advocate of the league i love it so and, much. and the name the name of it is your team is called the snakes <laughs> yeah the snakes we wear green the snake skin uh we have a great time yeah we go to the we go to the uh winking lizard after the games we sponsor if you, if you get a chance to go on Twitter during the SEL when they're playing, it is absolutely on fire, the trash talking that goes on just through Twitter and the snakes. And who's the other one? The guys that always wear the hula stuff. The, uh, the hula the all, tropics? Yeah, the tropics. Yeah, it was the tropics. Um, you guys give, Numa, you guys give them Numa, yeah. Well, the Numa yeah, Numa's yeah. a good Numa's a good team, too. Uh, you know, they're, they're definitely – um, someone we love and hate to play against uh, on the ice. It's a lot of fun when we get it because we're the two older teams. So, you know, the Smith brothers, they're great, but it's fun when we beat them for sure. Will you will you be playing in the cell again this this summer? Yep, we will. Um, we just kind of are finalizing our roster. So there's a, some sort of a draft process, right? You put, you protect like your core group of guys. 
um, and then kind of build off of that with the free agent pool and some sort of draft situation. So, yeah, I feel like our team's great. Uh, I think we're probably going to host the cup again this year too. So I'm really excited. <laughs> well, I, I, I really hope that some of the other guys are listening to this because I'd like, I'd like to hear, you know, what they have yeah, to say. I do, I do too. I do too. Uh, Jamie <laughs> Bussell plays on uh, the whale, the whalers. Okay. So, you know, he's, uh, he's obviously you guys coached him. Um, they tried to take our green jerseys for this year. We absolutely put our foot down. So there's going to be a bit of a, a bloodbath when we play them, I'm there, sure. There you little, go. Little little preseason animosities growing right here so far. Yep. Don't poke the bear, though. Don't no, poke the bear. no. Little gamesmanship here. Uh, you know, COVID-19 gamesmanship. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So so you cap your junior career off with the River Kings. Um, and I, I I mean, I think, and I don't want to say it was a, it was a great story for me, but uh, remember that game I went up and watched with uh, Coach Albie? And was it a puck or a stick you took to the uh, orbital uh, bone? Yeah, so it was it was a stick, but the crazy thing is it was a stick two, on two separate occasions to the same spot. So well, I just I'm gonna, shredded up. I'm going to tell you, he came out of the locker room, and I was, I was like, hey, first of all, hell of a game, but are you okay? <laughs> and – and what do we have? I have you like start eating some food or chewing some gum or something to see. If- yeah. Just to see my face is broken. And then, yeah. And Albie drove me home. Tyler Alberts drove me home that, that night, um, all the way back to Cleveland to start. I, I don't know. Was it winter break? It was or, like, and it was, yeah. yeah it, I think, it was winter break. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there and my face is mangled. Um, I probably couldn't drink out of a straw. It's definitely still, still some scar tissue in there, but yeah, it was two sticks same spot the cool thing is i uh got the last stick off of my hat trick goal so i yeah. scored the third goal of the night yeah and then as soon as i bury it right in the face but yeah <laughs> so, so you can't what a game here. for you to come to oh what a it was great to come to though. it was great it was great i was actually worried i remember i gave you my number i'm like tyler if something happens like you you can't breathe at night just give me a call we're like right here <laughs> um yeah well you cap off your your junior career with the river kings then you head to athens um and, you know, I, I can speak on this. You know, you obviously played there. Lev, you went there. Um, an atmosphere, if you're going to play in the ACHA, like Athens, Ohio, was absolutely the cream of the crop. Um, you went to Ohio University. How did you enjoy your time there? And why or how did you choose OU? Um, yeah. So I, I loved my time there at OU. Uh, Lev, you know it's a great spot. Um, so honestly, Lev, 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 how great of a spot is it, Lev? There's T-shirts that say Athens, and on the back it says because every place else sucks. That'll tell you how good Athens is. But but how how I mean how do you know Jay? Like, how, do you spend any time there? I spent a couple moons there, Sully. You want me to tell you exactly how many, buddy? <laughs> I should have come out of there with a master's and my doctorate, but no, I just got the bachelor's. We're good. Tyler, continue. <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. I got a, I got some questions about a town. Go ahead, Eric Tyler. Um, that's funny. Yeah. So a huge, like a huge reason I went to that school, um, was just because my friends that went there, like Gabe Lampron and, um, I played at Ed's with him and, you know, real good friend of mine, look up to him. So I, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm not ready to be done hanging out with Gabe for a couple more years. And then, um, Matt or Matt Rudin as well, uh, was another big reason. But if you were like, for me, the seniors were, uh, Matt Hartman, um, I had Spelosi there, I had Geyser there, 
I mean, those are three big names in Cleveland. So getting to wear a jersey, you know, alongside of those guys, uh, players that I look up to and throughout my hockey career, that was that was special. That was definitely a special where, moment. Where was the spot? Where did you guys go when you went out in, in Athens? You're college graduated. Gym. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we went, college the, we went to the college and the CI was the quote-unquote hockey bar. They treated us better than I've ever been treated at a bar, and it was uh, it was a great time. So not <clears throat> you didn't go to the casino, Crystal? The Crystal Casino right next door. We spent some time there. We had a kid that actually that uh, was like a bartender and then was playing and then became a bartender and stopped playing, which – I mean, he helped us out definitely a lot, uh, yeah, having him absolutely. behind the bar. So that was absolutely. cool. How about uh, what What was the atmosphere like for a crazy weekend at Bird Arena? I mean, Sully mentioned that the atmosphere is just insane. And, and I've been to numerous games in that arena, watching different friends play. But that place is just crazy. And, and, and when I went there, it was the transition from the chicken wire fence to glass. Now mm-hmm. you guys get, you know, a phenomenal locker room and, 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 and the building has gone through a lot of upgrades, but what was the atmosphere like on a home weekend there? Yeah. So, well, we weren't getting beer thrown on us through the chicken wire where you're getting a couple <laughs> sips in during the game, sadly, but uh, no, it was cool. Like uh, freshman year, our father's day weekend or dad's weekend. Um, there was just there's just a picture of it that I remember. It sticks out to me. It's like there's four rows back of people around the stands or around the glass. Um, all the stuff, all the spots in the stands are you know taken. Sold out crowd. Everyone's screaming, yelling, jumping around. Um, it's it's gonna be tough that I'm not gonna get to play in a setting like that. Um, maybe we'll get some more fans at the cell games, you know, to give us a little crowd action. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, people are up jumping around, shouting. Um, you know, thankfully I got to score more than a couple goals in that rank, so I got to be the center of attention at times with some celebrations with everyone. So uh, if you're if you're looking at it, you know, if you're if you're looking at playing in the ACHA, I think OU is definitely a spot. So three out of the four years, you guys headed the national tournament. It would have been four out of four, but obviously the COVID ep- epidemic uh, shut down the national tournament. Did you feel your game improving year after year to where you were just definitely becoming one of the best players in the league? Um, yeah, I, I felt like, you know, my first year was a learning year. I got to play with two really good players on the same line. Um, and with Matt Rudin being one of them from Cleveland. So playing with him, um, then getting more chances, getting on the power play, getting confidence, keep growing as a player. Uh, I definitely think though, there was a lot of hard work behind the scenes, right? Just making sure you're the first guy on the ice, last guy off, you know, consistently throughout the practices. I'm a rink rat and I love being on the ice and I love, you know, I love practicing. I love playing. So it wasn't really hard for me to put in that extra work just because I love it so much. Um, But I definitely felt like I was getting better. I was progressing with my teammates um, and my coaches were putting me in situations to succeed. And yeah, just it was it was awesome. So this past season, uh, as you you know went through your four years, this past season you had a career high, twenty eight goals, thirty one assists, fifty nine points in thirty two games. I mean, I'm no mathematician here, but that's damn near two points a game. You know, I mean, very close to it. Uh, nothing like saving your best for last. Talk us a little bit about how it just seemed. And I gotta be honest with you, Tyler. Every single time I'd watch it on Twitter, or I could 
stream it somewhere. It was just seemed so natural for you that you just were felt it just like you were so comfortable out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, like it's you know it's in it's in the family, but it's it's something that like I said, I take a lot of pride in it. Like I hockey to me is is really just everything. Um, you know, it's something I spend hours on hours on hours every summer uh, during the season just trying to get better and perfect. In my in my garage out here, I've got my you know stick and stick handling ball and stick handling puck, which I'm going to hit after this uh, Skype call. So I'm always um, trying to get comfortable with my stick, uh, trying to just be the best I can be because I love the sport so much. Like it's cliche, it's crazy to say, but like there's nothing cool with it to me than going out there and succeeding in something that I am truly, truly passionate about. Your uh, your line mate was player of the year ACHA. No, not no. Yeah, yes, he was. Yes, he was. So you've had a lot of a lot of cool experiences with line mates, be it guys from Ohio or or others. How was this year special? In that you know we were able to stream a few games this year, and like Sully said, not only did you make it look easy, but you guys as a line just I mean it was like you knew what each other was thinking before you did it. How long did you guys play together prior to coming into this year? Yeah. So uh, our freshman year is when we started off. Um, we were, our, we were the third line, our freshman year our group, uh, group of freshmen. It was three of us, Gianni Evangelisti. And then we had Garrett Jenkins who played in Michigan growing up. We also had Mikey Palasics between Gianni and I, um, who was a Padua player. So we got to play together freshman year, uh, sophomore year, we kind of stepped away from each other, um, but we're on power play together. Junior year, got back into it and senior year, um, spent a bunch of time together. So yeah, I think we complimented each other very well. Um, he's a very good playmaker and he sees the ice very well, which helps him out a lot. Um, he could score goals as, as well. He's got a great shot. So yeah, he played, he played jackets growing up and that we would have played against each other. Um, and you know, growing up at some point when I was on the Barons and he was in the jackets, but no, we had a lot of success together and it was a lot of fun. And I texted him after he got player of the year. I was like, Hey man, congrats on player of the year. He's like, Hugs, thanks for scoring all those goals for me. So, um, no, we had a lot of fun together and we were pretty complimentary of each other for four years. So that was cool. So like we talked about earlier, you guys were set to go to nationals again. When did you guys find out the tournament was going to be canceled and, and what was the mood of the guys? Yeah. So, um, we, we were supposed to leave on a Tuesday and we get back. I don't know. We get back on the, the Tuesday before we have a couple sets of practices. Right. So we're grinding, we're gearing up, we're doing two a days, trying to get the body just like shocked getting back into playing mode because I think we had a couple of days off, um, just to, you know, reset the mind. And we get called into the locker room on a Thursday. And why else are we having a meeting? You know, we've seen, we were seeing what was going on. They were canceling all the NCAA events, basketball, uh, hockey. And then we found out we were all pretty bummed. Um, as the senior class and kind of knowing that it, it, it ended like that, that really hurt. Um, my class went four four years in a row we're going to go to the national tournament as well as four years in a row fishing the regular season in the top four um 
which I don't know many classes have done it. I know obviously they won the national championship 95, 96, 97 at OU. So I'm sure that those three classes did it, but we felt like we were due for a national championship there. So it was a really hard pill to swallow. Um, but then, you know, spending the weekend with the guys and it was tough, man. It feels like we never really got closure from like playing with each other, from hanging out from school. Um, so, you know, we're trying to plan a trip to all get back together one last time. Right. So you ended up graduating. What did you graduate? What was your degree in? Uh, communications and then minor in marketing. And then I'm also in the sales program. Okay. So, yeah, I, uh, <coughs> you're, talk, you're, a talking you're, degree. You're, talking, yeah. yeah, very good at it, too. Uh, you started a company with former teammate Austin Quarters called Rule One Sports. Can you tell us what that's all about? Yeah, so that's um, that's my advising company. I have a, like I said, a passion for hockey. Um, in the future, I want to be an agent. So I thought no better way to start kind of getting used to building my contact list, to getting comfortable with reaching out um, to coaches than just start an advising company. So yeah, we started Rule One Sports. Um, we're, we're handling the careers of youth hockey players where we try and you know, help advise them on where to go. Ultimately, it's their decision, right? But help them uh, advise them on where they want to play um, off-season programs, such as workouts, uh, drills, works together here. And it's a really fun, um, you know, aspect of the game. I never had an advisor, but for players that don't come from a hockey-rich background, it's definitely an advantage because if you – so look at this. If you're playing – if you're going to play juniors, right, and you're going to play, say, tier three, and you're going to go on the USPHL, and you're in a tryout situation, or you're trying to get signed, but these teams haven't really seen you, how are you, you know, are you going to email them? Are you going to go through talking to five, six, seven teams until you get a contract? Or are you going to outsource that to someone else while you're training, you're working on betting yourself as a hockey player? Um, and that's where I come in. I call these coaches. I send them film. Um, you know, I talk about the type of player they are, the type of person they are, and, you know, go from there. I have, I represent Garrett Alderman. Um, he won, I think he, he tied, well, he tied the career shutouts or second all time in the career shutouts for Ohio high school. Um, this year he plays down in Columbus. So that was a huge pickup for me. I was really excited to sign him this year. Um, but yeah, no, I love it. I want to be a sports agent and a hockey agent in the future. So I thought this was a good first path. Do uh, do players seek you out or do you seek them out? Yeah, so we have we have like a contact us on our website and if people are running across our website, you know, we'll get the notification that they're reaching out. But a lot of it is me. So I'll go to showcases. Obviously, right now it's hard. You know, there's no there's no showcases necessarily going on. I think there was a CCM one in Chicago two weeks ago or last weekend. Um, but we had plans to go to Colorado to Vegas. Um, up to Vancouver um, but yeah right now is we're kind of in limbo but with like heavy recruiting but once the showcases start back up I'll be zipping out there so is there an ideal person or ideal player for rule one uh NHL draft picks yeah I think well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no I think I mean you know if you have if you have the goals and ambition and the work ethic to play hockey at the next level I I want to help you um, you know, I have an array of contacts that I can reach out to, um, just by building my contact list over the past two years. So 
if you're a hockey player that's you know passionate about the game and want to succeed and want to put in the work then that's someone I would like to work with if you're someone that's just kind of going through the motions you don't really care about you know bettering yourself we're not the right fit for each other right right well I, th- I like the fact when you talked about the services that you provide is you know it's difficult and, and and if anyone had to do it you had to you know try to get yourself out there and also try to train and 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 get uh, you know your skills together and if you can take some of that off your plate and just work on the physical aspect of it and trust someone to put you or to advise you to put you in a good spot i mean it, it's it's you're getting double the uh, the pleasure if you will you know mm-hmm. yeah absolutely like the workout and like nutrition plans and nutritional advice that we're putting together in our packets. You know, that's something I wish I would have had, um, when I was playing no matter what. Um, and then obviously the workout plans, they don't have to go and pay for a big time trainer because we have put together all of these workouts and, and this uh, plan for them to follow throughout the summer and during the season. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely a good value for, you know, for what we charge and, I'm not here in the business of making money right now. I'm just trying to help kids get to the next level and, you know, build my, build my confidence in this, in this area. Right. That's awesome. So what's next for you? Be it as a player, as a businessman, what, what are, what are your, I I know you and I spoke previously about Mm -hmm. the possibility of playing on Mm -hmm. and also with, with rule one, you have Mm -hmm. a lot on, a lot on the table. What, what's, what's the game plan for you going forward? Yeah. Um, so I, that's funny. Like I, I don't really know. I am training as if I'm going to be playing, but I'm also very business minded. So I'm putting together some projects that if I'm not going to play, I'm going to set myself up, um, for success, obviously. So I'm doing that. I've got the training for hockey. I've got rule one. And then I'm also coming out with something new in the next two months or next month here. Um, the LLC was just formulated. So pretty excited about that. The third thing is I do skills for team Ohio. So I'm staying busy on the ice uh, with coaching um, skills, coaching. So, you know, I'm trying to cover all my bases in case, you know, one thing doesn't work out, like it's okay. Roll with the punches. I'm ready for the next, you know, next operation. That's awesome. Man. Well, Tyler, I appreciate you coming on and listen, and whenever you do uh, onboard that new LLC and you want to come on and, and give a shout out to all of our listeners, we'd love to have you on and, and uh, let you explain a little bit about what that is when, when the time is right. I think that'd be cool. Um, but again, thanks for coming on. I, you know, it's always good talking. It's always nice catching up with you. Uh, learned a lot about Rule One Sports today, which is pretty cool. You also do a podcast. Is there any way that the, uh, our listeners can uh, listen to that podcast? Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's Rule One Sports Talks. Um, that's on Apple, that's on Spotify and that's on anchor. So anywhere you get your podcasting, you listen to your podcast, jump on rule one sports talks. Um, we're going to be getting some more guests on shortly. So tune in. All right. Very good, man. Sounds good. Tyler, take care, uh, continue to do what you do. And, and I know you'll always be successful in that. So good luck with all that. All right, bro. All right. Thanks guys. Rolling right along. Let's get talking to futures with head coach of the Ohio hockey project. Russ Zankowitz. Our next guest has the distinction of being the first repeat guest on the on-air podcast. After a successful professional hockey career, he knew there was a need for more specific training for hockey players in the Cleveland area. Out of the desire and necessity in 2011, he officially started the Ohio Hockey Project, a first-of-its-kind training program that only 
helped improve a player's skill level, but also helped improve a player's mental ability as well as strength and nutritional needs. From the hockey project, then he developed the summer leagues to help players stay fine-tuned with structured competition within a competitive balance to help each athlete get the most from their summer training. In 2013, he formed the Summer Elite League. In 2014, he formed the Futures Hockey League. He's back again to give us a preview of what's in store for both summer leagues, as well as give us summer training tips for every age group. Now that the rinks are back open and hockey is seemingly back to full swing. From the Ohio Hockey Project, please welcome back on air, baby Arlo's father, Russ Zankowitz. Welcome, Russ. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, the first first question we got to get to, and, and I know we talked a little bit off the air about this, but how's fatherhood been treating you? It's been going, it's uh, definitely, it's a fun new chapter. It's, uh, I'll be really, really honest with any listeners that don't have kids. It's a little bit harder than you think it's going to be. Um, and then to every uh, hockey parent out there or parent out there, uh, stick taps to you because it's, uh, you earned a, it's, it's definitely hard. It's been, uh, it's definitely been a really fun challenge for my wife and I though. And, um, all the, all the hardships though, it's kind of fun when you just, you know, you hold your child and it really does like every parent told me, it really does change your perspective on, on a lot of things. So, um, it's been great. I mean, we're, I'm a month and a half in, so I feel like a veteran, um, <laughs> changed a couple rough diapers. So I, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm, I'm earning my uh, earning my stripes a little bit. What did you do on your first Father's Day? It's kind of looking. Just spend some time with the in-laws. Um, yeah, nothing. Just like a, you know, kind of a standard Sunday cookout with family, which was nice. So nothing too crazy. But good. Cool. So rinks are open. Hockey's getting a little later than usual start. How's the beginning of summer been for you and for the Ohio Hockey Project? Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think the later start was a really good thing. I, I kind of, we, we touched on it the last podcast we had when we were kind of in the middle of the shutdown, but it's been my experience. We've been going really since June. I mean, basically for 20 something days, we've been going pretty hard. And I've noticed that every kid we've worked with has just been like smiles ear to ear, effort level, focus level. It's exactly kind of what, what I think most coaches anticipate as far as, you know, their motivation and their hunger to get back on the ice. And, it's like anything. I think um, sometimes you don't really appreciate what you have until it's gone a little bit. And I think that break for most people was a little bit longer than anybody takes. So, you know, it's been great to get back into it. Um, I know I, I could probably speak for any coach and all the players we've been on the ice with. We missed it. We love it that it's back. It seems like every week things are kind of opening up with a little bit more uh, leniency and, and some somewhat normalcy, which is nice. I mean, we started out with small groups to the group numbers expanding and you know, like anything, we're doing our due diligence and we're asking our, our players and our families to do their part as well. And because um, at the end of the day, it's not like a rink opens and it's, this thing's over. I mean, obviously, we still have to, you know, have some precautions in place and wash our hands and have masks and, and have some distance. But um, it's been great. It's been really, really good to get back on the ice and do what we love. You're always in the rink, either in a private instruction or, uh, you know, like with a fast paced group setting. Um, what's the summer? process like for your athletes with the project um well i mean yeah we're, we're in the rink pretty much all day every day um it depends and obviously i think different players have different needs and different wants out of the sport if you kind of go to the top of the pyramid and if you talk about a player that's maybe a collegiate or a pro level player um it, it's a lifestyle and it's not just an activity anymore it's it's really what they do so i mean the training end of it is it's really dialed in it's very very intense the focus level is laser focused they're there early they're staying late and they mix, obviously, their on-ice with, with a really diligent off-ice training. And that's what 
I think a lot of kids, and maybe if I take a step back to look at high school age, I don't know if they, they truly appreciate the, the amount of gains that need to be made in the off season off the ice. No doubt you need to be on the ice, keeping your skills sharp. Absolutely. But you got to understand that the one time of the year that you can put on weight and protect your body and recover injuries is the off season. And that's where you really, really got to hone in and have a strength program in place. And you don't have to be at a world-class gym with a world-class strength coach. A team setting is great, someone that knows what they're doing. And obviously you need to match that with the effort that you're putting in. But having an off-ice training program is absolutely paramount for any kid or, you know, in the demographic we're working with, a lot of high school kids, a lot of Bantam age, Peewee age kids, they're starting to get to that age where just being a better athlete, it's, it's part of being a great hockey player. So um, I think that kind of touches on it, but definitely the office is key. It's absolutely key because you can put on weight and that's when then you kind of taper that weight down towards August, September, October. But at the end of the day, it, it's unrealistic to think that if you're in the heart of your season practicing, two, three, four days a week, whatever it is, playing games every weekend, you won't put on weight then. You're, you're trying to maintain your weight and your strength then. So the off scene is, is when you really need to put that in, and we're really quick to kind of make sure kids prioritize that. Yeah, get on the ice, keep the skills sharp, but you don't need to be skating nearly as much as you do in the winter. You know, I think you kind of flip the coin a little bit. So in 2011, I know you started initially a couple of years earlier, but officially you started the, the Ohio Hockey Project. 2013, you begin the Summer Elite League. 2014, you start the Future Summer League. Tell us about what each league entails and what you strive to achieve for each player within that. Yeah, so let's let's kind of start at the top. The Summer Elite League, um, honestly, it started because I had – it's actually a crazy idea how it started, but the goal was it was supposed to be a black and white scrimmage. My goal was to get about 25, 30 guys a a day. We just buy the ice and just literally black and white, just have a really high competitive game. And like in in a two or three week span, it grew to like, we had all these guys and friends and buddies and it turned into a legitimate league. And at this time I was still playing a lot of my, a lot of my friends, we were all still playing, whether it's collegially, professionally. And and it turned into honestly, probably outside of the monsters, probably the best game in the city by a mile. Um, As far as the talent level, the commitment level, it's a super clean really, really structured league as futures as they all are. But the summer elite league is for kids that are obviously at a really high level. Um, so in order to play the youngest birth year, and we just kind of went off of like a national standard, which would be a 2003 birth year, they have to be drafted, tendered, or committed to play in the league. And that's kind of like, if that's what, you know, the community of, of national hockey thinks is acceptable, well, then that would clearly work for us. So Every year we always have one or two guys that are underage players that maybe signed like a, a junior tender or has a college commitment or something like that. Um, and then it's, it's comprised with just some really, really high level players. And over the years we've had honestly like a, a ton of current NHLers, um, recently retired NHLers or AHLers. Like I just kind of pulled some numbers from this year, but um, in this year, like there's seven, and this is just current players. There's nine different junior organizations represented there's seven different division one schools represented. There's nine different division three schools represented. There's seven different pro um, organizations represented, eight pro retired organizations represented like myself or a few of our friends that we like to still think we got it. I know our, our window shutting pretty rapidly, but we, you know, we still got probably another year or two under the belt. Um, 
and roughly if you count the retired games, so maybe there's say a handful of my peers and the current guys, there's over 2000 pro games played on the, on like the cumulative resume of these players. So it's certainly, you can call it a men's league, but it's really anything but that. I mean, obviously there's no fighting, there's no checking, there's none of that BS. Like it's supposed to be clean. It's in the best interest of everyone's development, but it's obviously a fun game. And we kind of made a a new wrinkle in it last summer where we started playing that four on four. Um, By doing that, First and foremost, it, it eliminated some incidental contact, which for me was really important because as the founder of this, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I know I put a, a player in a situation where they hurt a shoulder, hurt a knee, doing something. Obviously, it's we all love the game and we all assume the risk when you step onto the ice, but by having two less bodies on the ice, it opened up the game. It made it a much smarter game, a much better puck possession, possession game. It almost looks like five on five on an Olympic sheet. It's the same activity. So we've got players that are, there's like four Robert Morse kids that drive in from Pittsburgh every night for those games, kids that are driving up from Ohio state that live down there in the Dublin area. Um, So that's been, it's been awesome. I mean, the games every year, they seem to get better and better, which is amazing. Um, They're fun. They're clean. I don't know exactly all the the COVID related um, precautions we're going to have with attendance and stuff, but if people are ever able to watch this year, they're all the games are evenings, Wednesday nights at Strongsville. I mean, coming out, it's a really, really, really good game and it's a clean game. And the cool thing about it, with the exception of those handful of players that maybe drive in from out of town, these are all like Northeast Ohio, Cleveland hockey players that are, you know, they're obviously chasing their goals and the dream to play at the highest level they can. And um, it's awesome. Like I'm super, super proud to be on the ice with these guys and, um, I mean, they're, you know, they're kind of still kids now compared to us, but they can motor and they can move. And it's been, um, yeah, I mean, we're in the eighth summer of that, which is crazy. So that's a 16 league. And then a year later, um, we kind of started the high school division of it. And I just thought back to when I was coming through high school hockey, um, you know, St. Ed's and St. Ignatius, they kind of had some spring teams and like some tryout teams and stuff like that. Um, there, I'm sure there was a, a spring league or a summer league or two, but um, my recollection was they were, it was nothing more than quote unquote ice. And that was great. And ice is ice, I guess, but we wanted to take it to the next level where we wanted it to be super structured. Um, we've got great partners in Piranis and Dick Sports and Chipotle um, that really hook up the kids and they give them gifts every week and like the stars of the night. And, you know, they, they step up with Jersey sponsors and all these like little donations for gifts at the end of the year with stats and stuff. And, the high school end of it, it's awesome because it's, um, it is a selection-based league. So we have a committee of people that we reach out to coaches. We reach out to peers. A lot of the coaches that are involved, no different names. So we try really, really hard to diversify the league because it is not, and it's really clear about this, it's not the haves and the have-nots, and you have to be a, a high-profile school or program. We try really, really hard to diversify it. This year, it the, was this the seventh year of doing the high school league. We have by far the most participation, not only from players that are interested, but from program participation. This summer, there's going to be 26 different programs represented. So that's literally every single Cleveland conference. But then like you look at like double A and triple A organizations, you look at every high school, club team, varsity prep team, you name it, they're involved. And, And that's something that I'm really proud of because you know, there's a lot of players that are great players that make a choice to go where they want to go. You know, maybe they didn't want to go to a high profile school. They wanted to go to 
their public school or their local school or they went here. And that doesn't mean that they should be kind of like shut out of an opportunity of, you know, a quote unquote, a better or a higher, you know, experience. It, we try to be as, you know, inclusive as we can um, with parameters to making it a really, really quality environment because it's not put your stick on the ice. It's shinny. It's no, I mean, obviously it's, again, it's still a non-contact league and non-check league, but we have coaches on the bench that care that like we're drawn up face-offs and within reason, like it's gotta be fun. Of course, like we're not trying to grind the kids through the summer, but there's structure to it. We want the kids to develop. And the one thing that I tell kids this, especially some of these older kids that we start to coach and develop from outside of the league, but into the league as well, is that the end of the day, as a hockey player, you're evaluated on your production in the game. Yes, you got to hit skills, no question. You have to develop all of your tools, but at the end of the day, you are evaluated in how you play the game. So you need to practice how you play the game. And that's what I don't think enough kids understand the process of that, of like having an off season game. What a practice opportunity. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're hearing it from a coach. That's not your in season coach. Like none of our coaches are, we're all of course like USA certified coaches and whatnot, but we're not, you know, like representing a school or a program. We're all independent guys and women that, that played at a high level that just love it and want to help. Um, and we want to provide an environment that is infectious that hopefully the kids love the sport as much as we do. I mean, that's kind of like the root of everything we do, but now we took it to a game level and it's two 25 minute runtime halves and there's structure to it. It's organized. Um, we try to make it a really, really fun experience. So I'm sure it's difficult picking the teams for the future leagues and the SEL. Um, what are, what's some of the process that you put into place and how, is important, how important is it to you to keep finding new ways to push the pace and to keep the players at their peak development levels? And I think let's start with how do you, how do you pick these kids on the futures and the SEL? I, think it's, I know it's a very unique way in the SEL, and I think it would be good for our listeners to hear that. But how do you do it for both leagues? Yeah. No, it's honestly, it's, it's one of the single biggest pain points um, of, you know, that falls on, on my lap a little bit because – there, it's an inexact science. No matter how you do it, you know, we try hard to make everyone happy and inevitably you, you can't be perfect at it. Um, well, if you talk about the summer league, that's captain selected. So each team has two captains and I've selected the captains based on it's a combination of ability and integrity are kind of like my two parameters. Um, they've obviously, they've got to be very talented players to carry their team, but they just got to be really good people that kind of see big picture and understand it. Um, and, they, and they're the ones really that are responsible for selecting the team. So that that's really nice that they can kind of help and facilitate that. On the futures end of it, um, and, and in both leagues it gets hard because we have a lot of applicants. But there's a ton of people that want to be involved, which is super humbling. And it's a very, very uh, cool thing to be a part of. But there's a lot of good players that don't get selected every year. And, I mean, to be honest with you, though, that, that's kind of a metaphor of being a high-level athlete. Like, you're not going to make every team you try out for, and it doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just, it is what it is. It, it's someone's opinions or someone's decision. It doesn't make it right. doesn't make it wrong. It's just, it, with the Futures League, we have a committee where it's a lot of our coaches are involved, where we go through a number of things. Um, believe it or not, I, you know, I probably watch upwards of 30 or 40 high school games a winter. Um, whether I'm catching some on video, whether I'm catching a period here, going to a tournament to rip two or three or four games in a night, um, that, that's really important because I want to make sure that we find the right players to play and 
to some degree, I guess you can actually say that we scout for the league because I want it to be a great league. So we go off of some statistics, but statistics, as we all know, they don't tell a whole story. Um, they just tell a part of the story. So we go off of coaching references. Um, a lot of, we ask the players to put in references. And then a lot of times we'll go off of peer references too. If we have a good relationship with a player that we know is a good kid, that's just gonna kind of shoot us straight back, hey, what's your thought on this? And we just kind of pencil it down and make a note and go off of a few different things to try to get a really well-rounded opinion on a player. Um, and we obviously we try to diversify it because we don't want, you know, 14 kids from one program in it. One, I, I don't know if that's even allowed, but more importantly, it's not what it's about because there is so many good players like we talked about earlier that are around the whole city. Um, so it really is a committee thing. And um, a lot of kids we do know, they've come through our programs or they co we coach them or we help them out. Um, so we kind of take a few different approaches to try to do our best to make the teams as well-rounded as we can. Um, the players put in uh, necessary teammate requests. You know, a lot of it's transportation-based, but that kind of helps as well when you kind of piece in rosters and you're like, okay, who's this player? Oh, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with him. And then you start doing your due diligence. You're like, oh, wow, you look him up. Maybe statistically he or she was a great player or whatever it is. And then you, you reach out to a coach or maybe a skills coach that works with them. Uh, and that's all, how we get some really positive feedback too. So again, no reference or no opinion ever is the defining answer for any player. It's always multiple opinions. And, and that's what anybody could say about any player. Cause again, we, we do our best to make it a, a league that's inclusive and a league that has, you know, a lot of different facets and different type of players. Cause it's not, and I repeat, it is not a league for kids that scored X amount of points last year. I mean, there's a lot of very, very good hockey players that have really, really, really great careers that statistically they don't maybe jump off the page because you got to go and watch them. You got to see their skating ability or their decision making, or you got to see the role with how they play. And, and we try to really encompass that and hit different roles and players and, and make it a really well-rounded league. Yeah. So you brought up a good uh, point in that, in that answer. And, I, and I'm glad you brought it up because I think, this is an important thing to ask. You know, you've had women in your future league before, like Anna Sitkovich and, and Olivia O'Toole. Um, you've got, uh, including even like Hope Krasafi, who's going to Union, who's committed to play uh, Union College. Have you ever had a, a woman play in the SEL? This year, we will have our third female participant in the history of the league. Our first ever female athlete was Kelly Stack uh, from the U.S. Olympic team in Boston College and the, the Women's Pro League. And then the next winter or the next summer, we had uh, an athlete by the name of Audrey Warner. She played at Harvard. She was a really talented forward. And I'm pleased to announce that this year we, we selected a, a woman by the name of Lauren Bernard. She plays out of Clarkson University. Uh, she represented USA in the under 19 challenge last year in Japan. Um, she's, she's an extremely high level athlete and a really, really solid defenseman. And um, the fact that it's four and four, it opens it up. I mean, it's funny because she's going to turn a lot of heads. People might underestimate her, but she's going to be one of the better players in any game she plays in, which is amazing. So um, we're proud about it. I mean, gender really doesn't have a factor. I mean, if you can play, you can play. And that's kind of been our mantra. And even in our high-level training groups, I mean, we have, we have a pocket of probably five or six Division One girls that are some of the best athletes in our group. You know, and, that, and that's something that I think if any female athletes or parents are listening, it, it – there's never, in my opinion, been the, you know, the scale of equality. 
is moving in such a positive direction for female athletes. You see how they had leverage to hold out with what they did last year with the pro league. I mean, one of our coaches, Shannon Zapados, I mean, she's a phenomenal ambassador for women's hockey and what she accomplished in the sport. And the fact that we have athletes in the Northeast Ohio area that, that are talented enough to represent like that. Like I, I couldn't be more proud to help provide a platform for them and, you know, for any like young girls coming through it and, being, you know, a girl dad myself now, like, I can't, you know, I love it. I think it's awesome. So, yeah, so to answer your question, we've, this year will be our third female athlete uh, playing in the Summer Elite League. And every summer, we always have probably, you know, three to four maybe of really talented girls that are a part of it. So, good, awesome. So this summer, you're starting a peewee division. Correct. How, how did that come about? And do you see a demand for younger age groups in future summers? Yeah, I think so. I mean, one, it's that the birth year of the 2008s and 2009s. They're just, it's really, really deep. It's really, really talented. There's so many kids we work with, and some of them were siblings that played in the Futures League or the Summer Elite League, or kids we train with and they hear about it or they see it on social media. And the inquiries started like flowing in where parents were like, man, you got to do this. It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. Um, and, you know, it, it happened for a few years where people would ask, and we're just like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And year after year, the demand grew where it's like, wow, like we could do this and we could do it the right way. And the talent level in that division, it's unbelievable. Like these kids are so good. Like I can't wait to, I mean, I say this about every division because I think so highly of all of these kids, but the young kids, I mean, they're just, they're just as fun as the super high level, the, the college and the pro guys. I mean, they love the sport. It's such a pure love of the game. Um, and again, it's a super talented division, so I'm anxious to see how it goes. I know the kids are going to love it. They're going to love the experience of it. And again, it's it's an opportunity to be coached by a coach that isn't their in-season coach. We don't coach teams, so it's nothing more than like we want, we really have the best best interests of these kids at heart. We want to help them, um, and it's an opportunity for them to practice playing the game. And it sounds like such a cliche or such a, a simple phrase or message, but you have to be great at playing the game. You can't only be great at power skating or shooting the puck super hard or doing a flow drill. Those are all facets of being a well-rounded player, but you've got to practice playing the game. And again, it's kind of, to be honest with you, organically grown just like our whole project did where we started with, you know, 17 to 20 year olds, you know, 10 years ago. And then you realize it's like, well, yeah, younger kids need the help just as much as the older ones do. And this is another really good platform and another really good resource to try to help with them. So, yeah, we're super excited about that as well. So summer leagues can be a big part of the offseason regimen for serious hockey players. But what are some of the other key components of a successful offseason training program? So um, we actually touched on this last, if there's any repeat listeners, but first and foremost, it's mapping out an offseason plan. It's not just showing up to whatever mom or dad signs you up for, whatever you go to. You have to go into your offseason with tangible objectives and then an action steps on how to get there. So whatever it is, you're gaining weight, you're losing weight, you're gaining strength, you're getting speed, your skills, whatever it is, what are your deficiencies and how are you going to attack them? Um, I'm a huge believer that you have to, especially at the beginning part of your offseason, you really got to match your efforts off the ice with not only how you're eating um, and your nutrition is, is honestly, it's paramount, but also what you're doing off the ice. I mean, you need to be putting on weight and strength, and then you need to be able to move that explosively to be a high-level hockey player. Um, so that's definitely a really key facet. 
And then I think something that's really important in the off season, um, and maybe not, I don't know if everyone appreciates this, but you have to understand the line of not being burnt out because there's a lot of opportunities to do a lot of different things. And that's great. And being on the ice, it is great because again, you're passing someone or you're getting passed every day. It's how you kind of choose to kind of go down that road. But, um, you got to love what you're doing. You got to want to be on the ice. And if you're being on the ice and you're fulfilling that passion and that drive, then that's a really good thing. Um, but again, you can't just think that, yeah, I'll skate, you know, two, three days a week. And that's all you need this summer. Yeah. That's a factor, but you need to get stronger. You need to get explosive because that directly translates to your ability to play the game at a high level. I mean, they all, they, it's the other end of the coin. It works hand in hand. Right. Well, Hey, we thank you for coming on and, and giving the listeners and ourselves a little bit more of a better idea of what the SEL, the futures, your PWs, everything going on in the summer, which is an unbelievable program. As a coach, as a high school coach in the area, I speak for the rest of the guys on this Zoom call that it is it has made hockey players better, Russ, uh, because they have not just stayed on the ice, but they've stayed on the ice and focused on getting better. There's a big difference, as, as we all know, and I know our listeners know, that if you do something and you're just doing it just to do it, you're not really going to benefit from it, right? If you go out there with a purpose, for instance, you know, if the snakes want to hoist the cup again, then they're going to go out there and work their tails off, right? But maybe the Tropicanas or whatever are going to say, no, 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 it's not going to work, right? So, you know, you put them in a spot that they have to – it's fun, like you said. It's summertime. It's fun. And I don't, care, I don't care if it's wintertime, spring, fall, whatever. It should always be fun. But you put them in a spot to where they're, they're pushing themselves. And, and, and to be honest with you, sometimes I don't even know that they're having fun doing it. You know, they, they know they're having fun, but they don't know that they're pushing themselves doing it. It's, it's great. We've, see, we've seen players benefit from it tremendously. Right. So we appreciate you coming back on and talking about it, Russ. No, I appreciate uh, it. I appreciate okay. it. I love it. All right, man. And if you, all of our listeners are out there, get on the Twitter page of Ohio Hockey Project. As soon as this stuff starts ramping up, like Love said earlier, man, there's some good Twitter smack wars going on. I love it. So check it out. And everything, uh, our, our friends at the Digest, they do an amazing job hosting all that, the stats, the schedules, the updates, the stars. So it's a really clean delivery of the information and it you know, makes it really easy for families and friends and, and athletes to follow. So hop online and check it out on the Digest. All right. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, guys. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. The Ohio Hockey Project recognizes that Cleveland hockey players need to have a truly homegrown, world-class development opportunity right here at home. The project takes great pride and responsibility in being Cleveland's first and original independent skill development organization that sets the industry standard and relentlessly works to break that standard year in and year out. From on-ice sessions to dry land sessions, Classroom and video analysis, the Ohio Hockey Project surrounds athletes with every resource they could ever need. What a great uh, day-to-day talking to uh, Tyler Harkins from Ohio University, uh, Rocky River High School, St. Ed's, uh, and uh, Russ Sankowitz, the creator of Ohio Hockey Project, and talking a little bit about his uh, SEL uh, Summer League and his future Summer League, as well as working with some of the uh, younger guys. I, I really have to say that, and we did say it online, but you know his program – uh, that he has in the summer is a very competitive. It keeps the kids uh, having fun, but it also keeps them, you know, with that, that style of uh, compete uh, uh, every day. So. The thing that, that 
is, and I know I said this once before, but the thing that is universal among every, I'll, I'll call them all top tier athletes because everybody who's had, we've had on as a top tier athlete, some way, shape or form, whatever that level is, they're, they're, they're doing good things at their level. They're driven. You know, you, you, we talked to Tyler today and, and Harks goes from high school to junior to junior to ACHA and excels and is looking at his career path of either continuing to play on or, or venturing into business, which he, he has already begun with rule one sports and, and looking at other avenues as well. Um, Russ saw a need in, in our community and he went forth driven to make it the best for the individual players, not for his pockets or anything else. And, you know, Tyler's a driven individual. Tyler's a great time to talk to a great person to talk with. And his, his work ethic is, is excellent. And it, it's made him get where he's gone and hopefully it continues on. And, and it won't, if he doesn't move on, it won't be for a lack of trying. And, and that's great. And he'll just move that work ethic into his business side of things. And like you said, Russ continues to grow and it with his with the hockey project and and the hockey project continues to grow because of him and with the summer elite league which if you get a chance to see it definitely do it it's fast paced you're watching guys from i mean i just went last week and watched him skate uh some of his guys and and one net was uh, a goaltender from ohio state and the other end was a goaltender from north dakota and sprinkled in or a bunch of other division one and and high level uh junior players there you see that in the sel the futures league is just uh, 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 I don't want to disrespect and call it a slower version, but it's guys that haven't gotten to that level yet. So it's constantly building. And <laughs> there's so much good in, in, in what's going on. I think you said it earlier, you got to see the forest for the trees and actually realize there is good things happening. The hockey project is a good thing and more people need to take advantage of it. You know what? It, it is a good thing, but change is hard, right, Jay? So when people, when people are told over and over again, that there's only one flavor of ice cream and you bring in two other flavors well, that original flavor. Yeah. That can't be wrong. Right. The other ones have to be, <laughs> have to be wrong. And I think what people need to understand is that there is this huge forest through the trees. You just got to navigate your way through it to make sure you see it. And just because somebody tells you that there's only one flavor of ice cream, that doesn't mean there's only one. Right. Hey, Baskin and Robbins had 31 flavors, bro. Yeah, but I tell you what, though, I'll tell you what, there's a lot more, right? But what I'm saying, though, is Baskin Robbins to try to break that mold and say, hey, it's just not vanilla or chocolate. You can get your you can get your Superman now. You can get whatever. Right. And people need to stop saying, well, only vanilla or only chocolate are the only two ways to go, especially in our especially in our sport. That's a hard nut to crack, because you know what? As we've talked about a million times before. The loudest person gets listened to. Whether yeah, you, they're right, well, whether they're go. right or wrong, whether they're right or wrong, it, that doesn't matter. There's the problem. That doesn't matter is the problem. The loudest person always gets hurt. And who 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 comes along and says, just because they're loud, this means they're blowing more air. The problem is people think that, like you said, there, there's one path. There's one exit to that forest. Nope. Nope, there's a million. You have to be smart enough to do your homework and, and realize that that's true. But you also have to be smart enough to know who's, who's the right people who's advising you in the right way. 
and you guys, you got guys like Russ who are doing it the right way, you, you know? So that's another big thing. Not only finding yourself through the force, but also believing in somebody that's doing it for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. Yes. Well, anyhow, as they say, time flies. You know, they always used to say the early bird gets the worm and the second mouse gets the cheese. You don't want to be the first mouse to the trap because that would be bad, right? But time flies. So uh, that'll do it for episode 12. A big thank you to our guest from Ohio University and Rule One Sports, Tyler Harkins. And our second time on air guest from the Ohio Hockey Project, Russ Sankiewicz. Check us out next week when we'll be joined by from the Grand Rapids Griffins, the American Hockey League affiliated of the Detroit Red Wings, head coach Ben Simon will be stopping by. We look forward to catching up with a former player of the year in Ohio high school hockey. You can find the on-air podcast at www.ohiohockeydigest.com with full episodes, archives, as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Continuing to grow the game the best we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.